Hello there, Vlad here. Welcome to Cat Pick Fridays, episode number 21. Happy Friday if you are actually listening on Friday. And yes, Mr. Richard Morgan is here again. He's waving and he's waving because he's happy. He has a new fancy microphone. I think YouTube viewers can see the brand. You're sounding mighty fine today. So. I could just cut. I could cup the mic, which would, on the one hand, block the brand, but also piss off all the vocal production people in Glenfricka. So, That's your choice. <laughs> but exactly. yeah, this will surely improve the audio quality of the podcast. Let's let's put it that so way. So you went right there, like it. Well, yeah, it's not like my microphone doesn't say what brand it is. So I guess it makes sense. What can I say? Yeah, I'm a it pun sounds machine. really, really good. This is uh, like this is the level of dedication we have. We invest some money in microphones. That's that. <laughs> that's madness. We've in know, invested crazy. in Catholic Fridays. I know, and it's like it's like like purely for Cat Pick Fridays. We asked for a special edition that will explode if Rich is trying to use it for anything else but Cat Pick Fridays. Yeah, there's like a special algorithm hidden in within that microphone. There's a lot of special stuff hidden inside this microphone, actually. So I've actually got to learn how to use it properly. But hopefully this oh, sounds true. better for everybody watching and listening than the previous weeks. I'm excited to maybe maybe get some feedback. Guys, tell me, how rich and deep does my voice sound in comparison to normal? <laughs> oh, so many puns in here. By the way, for those who yeah. are listening to the episode, uh, Rich has the Shure S, not SM. I have the SM7B, and what he has is the Shure MV7, which is the newer version of that microphone with some like digital fancy stuff, for example, like built-in compressor and limiter and all kinds of cool things. And based on the comparisons we've seen, they sound pretty close to each other, but there's some like as I mentioned, some like digital wizardry happening in that microphone plus uh it's actually way cheaper than an like a classic sm7b so that's really cool yeah yeah i think sure themselves good. are saying like if you want that classic thing if you want the sm7b you should buy that but the mv7 is being kind of marketed towards people who might not be audio experts you know people like podcasters streamers people who do twitch people who do youtube people who talk people who make content whatever today's modern person who is not a sound engineer who might also have a room like me where there's a lot of echoes where it's noisy and this is a dynamic microphone but it basically it's supposed to cut out absolutely everything which is not being spoken directly into it so in that way it's supposed to be very directional and yeah sure themselves like i said don't compare it directly to an sm7b but for the price you pay it's supposed to be very very good indeed and so far so good i think yeah definitely and like what I love about my SM7B is the fact that, yeah, you kind of need to crank the gain on your preamp quite a lot. This is turning into microphone talk, but why not? Let's educate people about microphones a bit. The SM7B is partially a classic because it's not as sensitive as some other microphones. So you basically need to crank the gain a little bit on your preamp. But the good thing is, as Rich mentioned, that, for example, like there's the lawnmower going on outside. And I'm pretty sure you cannot actually hear it. And like, it's actually like right outside the window right now, but you probably won't be able to hear it because this microphone kind of 
captures everything that's happening close to the microphone, but not like it very rarely picks up like room reflections, anything like that. And then there's also this kind of depth in the sound because it has like a large capsule and stuff like that. And there's a reason why so, so many people use these on podcasts as well. And sure, making that MV7 thing, which is way more affordable, and you can basically like run a USB cable into your computer from it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and it has a nice little app, a free app by Sure themselves, which gives you different options if you're not an expert. And um, what you guys might notice if you're watching this is that it's not natural for me to be sat so close to a microphone speaking into it like this because I'm used to using lapels for every other job that I do. And um, this microphone, they've thought about that. So there is an option to have it kind of near to you, so within six inches or so. And there's a different option that you can put on called FAR, And basically, that will let you be anywhere between six inches and 18 inches, so about a foot and a half away. And it will bring the levels and the gain up and down to kind of make it consistent and keep your levels consistent and keep you sounding good wherever you turn your head, whatever you're doing. So it really is for beginners, for people who don't really know what they're doing, like Vlad, for example. I mean, Vlad knows what he's doing and I don't. That's what I was trying to say there. This is a very good choice indeed. It's a lot more forgiving than something like the SM7B. I would say. Yeah, definitely. Like, it took me a while to learn to use use this properly. And as I mentioned, you need to crank the gain on your preamp quite high, which uh, is also a thing that, uh, like, all the drawback of that is that it might reveal, uh, like, any possible, like, humming issues you might have. It might reveal that your preamps on your audio interface aren't good. Stuff like that, basically. Yeah, microphone talk to start the episode. (laughs) Yeah, what a a thrill a minute so far. I know, I know. Everybody's excited for us. Thank you for that. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing and leaving your comments on the episodes. We passed a milestone recently because there is now an episode on YouTube that has passed 1,000 views, which is really nice for a thing like this. I think like we are seeing some steady growth in Cat Pick Friday's episode. So thank you so much. And keep commenting, keep liking, sharing, subscribing, all of these things. As an, and as always, like this episode is available both on YouTube and Apple Podcasts and Spotify as well. And timestamps to different sections in this show in the description as well. Okay, moving on to... <laughs> And the actual content, I want to say, I also want to say that what we just did with microphones, I found it interesting and useful. If you didn't, I'm sorry, but we are going to dive into guitar stuff next in Recent Happenings. So the first recent happening is something that you might have heard already about, but there's basically two companies in the world that both make boutique pedals. One is called Revival Electric and the other one is called Origin Effects. And there's a bit of dispute thing going on between the two because Origin Effects, which is based in the UK, have tried to... What's the word? They have tried to trademark, I think, Revival Drive name. Yeah, they've 
they have tried to uh, trademark Revival Drive pedal name in US where the uh, Revival effect Electric is based on un messing up the electrics and revivals here and there. But yeah, that's what's going on. And basically, recent or like one of the most recent events or like updates on the story have been that, first of all, Revival Electric posted their version of this story and claiming that uh, basically origin effects have been like pressuring Revival Electric for a while now, legally as well. And even though Origin Effects got like a negative uh, response from the, uh, what's it, patent office in US? Something like that. Not patent office, but like a trademark. Basically, like, yeah, trademark. Oh, was, office, uh, whatever it's called, yeah. Yeah, refuted. Basically, like they didn't get a trademark, but the story doesn't end there. And yeah, or Revival Electric have shared their version of the story. And then we have like a fairly, I'm, I'm going to call it lawyer safe reply from the CEO or founder of Origin Effects. Though you have to take into account that because there's a, there's probably some sort of legal case going on, Origin Effects are not in a position where they can like fully share their view. They need to be very political about it right now because if there's a like court case going on, they cannot like tell their full version of the story here. So like it's a very traditional like, hey, we are disappointed uh, about this like the coverage of the story and the situation is not as it is portrayed and that kind of stuff. And I've seen fairly strong emotions about this case online. And I think, Rich, you have seen that too as well. Yeah, this case has lit up the guitar gossip forums. And, you know, a lot of the guitar press has also reported on it. And I think originally the story kind of became public knowledge when Revival Electric, the American company, made a post on Instagram giving their side of events, saying what was going on and basically... I don't know what the term is. It's not calling out, but just kind of making the public aware of what was going on in their point of view. And mm. that's the thing about social media these days, isn't it? Someone catches onto it and it goes onto a forum and then you get these people going off and forming two distinct polarized sides. And there are people who love one thing and people who hate that thing and vice versa. And it just becomes messy. And it's, it's like you said, the two companies involved, the most sensible thing for them is to just resolve this behind closed doors, you know, with the lawyers, mm. with the people who can actually make the decision. But, you know, Revival Electric put it out there and now it's out there. Yeah, it's, that's uh, it's like a really tricky one. And it's also something where, I mean, I'm comfortable talking about it, but also very wary of the fact that we could get ourselves into trouble if we say something that could be, you know, a legal hot potato. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Like, uh, I have no, like, personal ties with either of the companies. I have never owned anything from them. I don't think I've even played anything from either of the companies. I have, like, zero personal stake in this, but I do have friends who are closely tied to one or both of the companies or have worked with them. So, yeah, I always... It's it's very difficult to cover this in the sense because, like, one side came out and, like, 
give a full story version of that thing. But then, as I mentioned, like origin effects kind of can't do it right now because that might hurt the legal case a lot. And yeah, exactly. Like, Everything you say could jeopardize future decision making, you know, by the people who make the decisions. Yeah, and actually, the the other side of this is that Revival Electric coming out uh, with their version and kind of like really pointing and blaming at origin effects might also affect Revival Electric negatively as well. So that's the other side of things. Uh, but yeah, we haven't heard like super or like that much more about this besides what we are reading on musicreader.com. If you want to read the whole article, links below in the description, obviously. But it's an interesting case to monitor, to be honest. Like, Yeah, just, just for do, anyone who doesn't yeah. follow these sites or who hasn't heard about this, who might be listening, the very, very overgeneralized and basic story is that there is a company in America called Revival Electric, yeah. and I think it's basically a one-man show. It's a guy Good. who's made pedals in the past, maybe some amplifiers in very small quantities, and he's had a trademark for using the name Revival in America since 2012. Yeah. And the reason for this case is that Origin Effects, the British company, have a, a pedal called the Revival Drive, an overdrive pedal preamp, and they have another bunch of pedals which are under the kind of the Revival name. And they wanted to trademark that name in the USA and were denied because... Revival Electric already has a trademark on Revival. And the thing with trademarks is if there could be reasonable confusion by an average consumer between the two brands, then you can't give a second person the trademark with that word. So Origin Effects was denied the trademark in the USA, and then they had to decide what are we going to do next. That, of course, all happened behind closed doors. And the first thing we all heard about it was Revival Electric making their Instagram post which maybe you can link to, Vlad, put in the description yeah, or something. Yeah, it's in the article I'm actually reading. Like you can, like, all of this, like, screenshots in the article. So Perfect. You can, like, and then read the whole thing there as well, so that's good. Yeah, exactly. And they were basically saying, Revival Electric, that Origin Effects are trying to have the Revival Electric trademark cancelled. Yeah. So they can yeah. use the Revival Drive as a trademark in the USA. And... That was what the original forums caught on to, and there were kind of, you know, a big company versus little one-man show mm. issues. Lots of accusations being thrown around by many people who don't know the facts or the parties involved, which is also the position I'm in. I don't know anyone personally yes, involved in this. And um, then Origin Effects, the CEO, came out and made a statement saying that actually what we are trying to do is totally normal when it comes to trademarks. Um from their side, what they're saying is they applied to have the trademark. They couldn't get it. They originally approached Revival Electric. They tried to contact them numerous times, they said, to reach an agreement because there are other brands, there are other companies in this industry even and in other industries where you have two operating with the same name. There are similar products. Um, and what they wanted to do was reach some kind of agreement. They couldn't manage to contact Revival Electric. The, they were never replied to or anything like that. So they went through the standard legal system of checking out what was being done with the Revival Electric trademark, how much business Revival Electric were doing, found out that there wasn't anything seemingly active happening. 
And what happens when a trademark is no longer active and a company doesn't defend their trademark is it can be handed over to somebody else. So Origin Effects yep. went through the totally normal legal route of trying to do that. And that's where we are right now. Yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. Like, uh, until there's, uh, like, if, if this goes to court and, like, there will be a court case, until that, we can only speculate and guesstimate and all of those things. But an interesting story to monitor because, yes, there's and hey, the one like thing over... for me. That, yeah. Yeah. The one thing for me that came out of this is the fact that I had never heard of Revival Electric before. And I think yeah. the vast majority of people in Europe hadn't either. And a lot of people in America, too. And now everyone knows them. So, <laughs> yeah. That, that's the so other thing. Go. And it's, and also, it's also like, is Origin Effects a big company? Because, like, as the founder it's of not, Origin no. Effects is saying, like, this is like people are trying to portray this as like big fish, small fish thing. But isn't, uh, to me, Origin Effects feels very small boutique thingy. And it's, it's yeah, very or, hard to. Origin Effects is a small company. Yeah. Doesn't he say in the statement they have maybe, is it 11 or 12 employees or something like that? Yeah. So it's. It's not a big concern by any means. I mean, for a, for an independent pedal company, yeah, that's pretty big. But in terms of global business, that's not much at all. Exactly. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, yeah, it's not like this is some massive corporation with a huge legal team trying to attack and kill off some small fry or something like that. Yeah. It's a small company. And I think legal action and this kind of case blowing up into what it was is not what either side will have wanted because it just takes loads of time, it costs you loads of money, and if you lose, you're going to be in trouble. I mean, the other thing that this, the publication of the original post by Revival Electric has done is give some pretty bad press to Origin Effects. Yep, that, that's true as a, well. A lot of people came out against Origin Effects straight away before they'd heard the facts. You know, it's that jumping to conclusions thing that many of us like to do since the advent of social media. <laughs> Um, most likely before that as well, but yes, it, you know, every, everybody's very public about it at least. So, yeah, we'll be monitoring the situation, and this is kind of all we can say about it because we, are, as I mentioned, we are not that familiar with either of the companies or are associated with either of the companies either. So, yeah, interesting case to monitor. But moving on to next thing, boss is releasing the HM2. And look at that beauty. It's... Wow. It's, it's black. It's black. And yeah, Boss HM2 was a craft is now available. There's a nice video on uh, Colin Scott's channel about it. It's just loads of fun. It's... I'm going to say it's like a one sound thing, but that sound has been very, very legendary in some uh, like metal communities, I guess. Uh, bands, bands like Dismember and Entombed are famous for using that thing, and it's it's a very distinct sound. Like this, I think Chainsaw is exactly the uh, the kind of word to describe that sound. As someone who has used a cha has used a chainsaw a lot, I think that's that's the sound. <laughs> it's funny because I've never used either. I've never used a chainsaw, and I've never used an HM2 either. <laughs> but I always associate chainsaws with unpleasant noises and severe bodily injuries. So <laughs> hopefully, the well, HM2 is more pleasant on the ear. I think chainsaw 
and change our sounds and a band called Dismember <laughs> it all ties in together or doesn't tie in together I don't know, something like that <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love the fact that Boss is putting out all of these kind of reissues, I guess, but not really reissues because they're also like improving those pedals a bit, like higher noise flow and stuff like that so with better components and and I love it. So this is the yeah, this is the Wazercraft version. So is there yes. like a second mode on it as well? Yes. That that's okay. kind of the thing with all the Waza pedals. So there's the basic version, which should sound fairly similar to the original one, and then there's always like an extra switch that takes it to new heights or something like that. So yeah, there's quite a good range of Wazercraft pedals out there now. You can get quite a few of them. Yeah, you've got yeah. There's the the HM2. There's the Blues Driver. There's the Metal Zone. There's the OD1. Yeah. There's an OD, or is it the DS1 or both? Uh, I think there's, there's DS1 an SD1 one as well. SD1. Then there's a Chorus. There's the yeah. DC2W I have as well, and some other pedals as well like there's probably 10 of those now so that's cool yeah it's quite that's a really... good range it, it's yeah. like a boutique boss kind of a lineup and yet the pricing is still you know way less than you would pay for a yeah. boutique overdrive from a, another brand you know this is probably about what 130 140 euros maybe yeah the Westcraft hm2 uh, uh this one is actually uh, hundred and seventy nine, hundred and eighty. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, it must be the, the chainsaw effect. It must cost a bit more to produce. <laughs> yeah, you need a bunch of chainsaw to produce it, so that's yeah. expensive, I think. <laughs> Moving on to guitar <laughs> things, and I gotta say, I'm pretty excited about this. Harley Benton has an, unveiled some new colors for the Dullahan series. And uh, the specs on GearNews.com say that the white one, the YouTube viewers see on the screen, is shell pink, but that's definitely not shell pink. No matter how you twist it, what kind of color, like light you angle on it, that is not shell pink. That's white. That, it, yeah, it could be the world's lightest shell pink, but in this image, <laughs> it looks like a, a dirty white to me. I love it's, shell pink, so I hope in the flesh it actually looks a bit pinker than that yeah i mean i i have a thing for white guitars like like pearl white guitars that looks pearl white to me and it looks great but it's it's not shell pink there's a pink like top pink topped guitar next to it like a flame maple top guitar next to it and yeah that's not shell pink so maybe i don't know why, why is it called that but Anyway, these look great. Like, I had the early version of Dollahan at my studio. Like, I did an unboxing video, and then I was actually asked to send mine back because uh, they got a lot of feed feedback from the first iteration of the Dollahan series. And there were like some things they wanted to change with the bridge, and I think with the saddles as well and i don't know like they they did a lot of modifications to it so it's better now and based on the review i've seen on max solo's channel uh yeah the improvements were great and that 
thing, like it, it's a metal guitar, obviously, and that thing sounded thick. It's like one of the like chunkiest sound. And if somebody claims that there's no difference between different pickups or guitar body woods or anything like that, oh, there is. Like it's it's really weird that like same tuning everything and you can go between different guitars. Like one sounds like just huge, and it's aimed for metal and it sounds great for that. <laughs> is it wrong that I kind of want one now? I don't need it, but I want no, it. <laughs> not at all. I mean, you had the previous one and you liked it, but you mm. did tell me about you know some of the perceived weaknesses with it and i think we actually discussed on a previous episode of cat pick fridays there was a, a viewer comment about a guy who maybe had a dullahan or oh, was yes, considering getting one and he mentioned the bridge and some other potential issues and that's what we discussed back then and i'm guessing that that's what they fixed now because i've also read comments on different user forums and stuff like that about these guitars i mean yeah. i'm not really a metal guy at all but i would be very interested to try one of these too because they look great and they remind me of the Kiesel that our friend Joss Allen used to play quite a lot. I'm pretty sure that's yeah. where the inspiration comes from. Yeah, they they look great. And yeah, there's now two, uh, like they added two new finishes with like flammable tops. It's a black, purple black burst, and then there's a tiger black burst. And the flat finishes have Daphne blue and shell pink. Is that Daphne blue? Yeah, that's well. They're calling it Daphne Blue. It's the, it's the Harley Benton shade of Daphne Blue. To me, it looks more like Ferris Blue. <laughs> oh, that's true. Fer, fer, but is Ferris Blue an official color? Is that is that like a real color? Or was it invented for Andy? Yeah, I, yeah, it was invented for him. I, I, the exact story <laughs> of that is they wanted to do Pelham Blue, and they ordered a bunch of those guitars, two hundred and fifty, I think. And they came back slightly the wrong color. So they said to Andy, oh, hey, true. we know you love this guitar and we know you love Pelham Blue. This is slightly different. Would you like to have this as a semi kind of named model after you? And we'll call it Ferris Blue. And he said, yeah. And the rest is history. <laughs> so there nice. you go. Nice. Yeah. And um, another great guitar by Harley Benton. And indeed, one of the Ferris Blues sits in my guitar rack behind me. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. What's the price on these Dullahans? I'm tempted. Uh, Four forty nine. That's so cheap. It, 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 interestingly, the flat finishes are four ninety nine. Uh, again, this like price depends on like where you live, but I mean, Harley Benton is the roasted really maple, I guess. Yeah, ah, that's or true. Maybe not. That's the difference because the yes, others have ebony boards. Yeah. Okay. Then it then it all makes mm. sense. It all makes sense now. It all makes sense now. Uh, I'm very tempted. Like, I found the, like, tuning that guitar felt incredibly weird because, like, <laughs> there's no tuners on the headstock because there's no headstock. But I I think I could get used to it. I kind of have a spot for a shred guitar that's maybe not, like, I have the Holoband Amarok, but that's a baritone. I, I have a spot for a guitar that's uh, like standard scale, like 25.5 inches and, you know, 24 frets doing all those wibbly-wobbly things without the tremolo because then I could drop it. I would probably tune it to standard D and then have the ability to go drop C to pay, play all the metalcore songs nobody wants to hear anymore. <laughs> but I want to play them. 
So yeah, excited on this. Moving on to the next one, which is um, called, help me out, how on earth do you pronounce this? Harlebenton Aeolus something? Aeolus. My, my tongue just doesn't twist to those words. These kind of semi-hollow single-cut uh, Harlebentons with, with some premium features, according to GNews.com, these look great. Like, kind of less polish shape, dot inlays, semi-hollow, really, really cool. There's two different finishes. There's like a sunbursty one or like a tobacco burst. Well, they're calling it glossy Bengal flame finish. <laughs> glossy Bengal and then, flame. Yes. And then there's a Harley Benton Ellis frost flame. Frost flame? Well... I, I guess it's a frost flame. It looks like a flat finish. And yeah. arch tops, uh, seems. Yeah. I love nice. the look of these. Yeah. They, they, yeah, and I think on the the website where we saw the news story, it refers to them as being like a mashup of a Les Paul and a 335. Nice. And that's kind of what they look like. It's like yeah. a, if you're just listening to this and can't see it, it is a Les Paul body shape. Slightly thicker by the look of it, with two f holes on the front, and it looks to be—is it a completely hollow body or a semi-hollow? Uh, semi-hollow. So there's a this most likely like a center block, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, Which so is, there's a center block, two humbuckers, yeah. and what's that neck made of? That's definitely not rosewood uh, or ebony. Is it roasted maple or something? Roasted maple, according to the specs. Roasted nice. maple, a single volume, single tone control, and I think the the pickups, the humbuckers are both splittable. Yeah. With a push pull knob on the tone control. Yeah. Three way selector switch. The pickups are Tesla brand, so invented by Elon Musk, especially for this <laughs> guitar. They're solar by powered, the so this guitar doesn't need plugging in at all. Th this kind of crazy that's that not true by the way at least it's probably yeah, not that's true. true like uh the tesla pickups i'm actually familiar with that brand from like almost 15 years ago uh i was fairly active or like very active on a finnish musician forum and especially on the guitar section and people were, were like somebody found this company that made tesla pickups and we would like bulk order those pickups as a group in the on those forums from china so, yeah, but a bunch of people have had the Tesla pickups, and they were good back then, and that's are they, like... Are they cheap pickups? I yeah, wonder why affordable. these are in the guitars instead of Roswell or Wilkinson. I wonder what the deal is there. Yeah, maybe, my guess would be, like, they wanted to go with special pickups for these guitars, and, like, uh, as you know, with affordable brands, like, the way you save money is to produce a lot of the same thing which saves you money, so maybe like redoing like some sort of pickup wiring station or something like that ended up being more expensive than just ordering these from Tesla. The Is this an I original design to... by Harley Benton, would you say, or is this paying homage to something else? I mean, I've seen Les Pauls before with F-holes, semi-hollows. Mm. I remember Rob Chapman had one for a while which was very, very cool. But that's a very rare thing for Gibson to do. And mm. this looks like it might be Harley Benton trying to do their own thing a little bit. Again, maybe people watching and listening can tell us, is there a guitar model that this is based on specifically? 
Yeah, I mean, it, they definitely took like liberties here and there. Like it's, to me, it looks a bit more original and like, I think it's, it's a set neck, but there's a freaking cool cutout there as well. Like you have high fret access on a semi-holo guitar. That's very interesting. Like, there's like a, almost like a shred guitar type of cutout going on in the neck as well. And yeah, it's a, it's a curious mix of very modern and very vintage features and looks as well, I would say. Yeah. The, the, the Bengal burst, the glossy one, is much more traditional looking than the, the satin one, the frost flame. Yeah. As well. I'm going to But you've got these you. modern features like the, um, the truss rod access yeah. down at the the bottom of the neck where the neck meets the body you've got a truss rod wheel there which again is making things very easy for the people who are doing work on these guitars and on that cutaway yeah. you've got a lot of access there and there's also like a, a cut within the cutaway on the body to make <laughs> it even easier a smooth curve there yeah these are very beautiful these i'm yeah like more shout interested out to in than the dullahans yeah also like shout out to whoever took the photos of these because they, they look fantastic <laughs> on the Harleben website as well, or like on the Thoman website. And yeah, really cool. I, I kind of want to try out this as well. Like I have no need for such guitar, but it hasn't stopped anyone ever. <laughs> no, exactly. Really? I'm really interested to try one of these too. In fact, yeah. I want this more than the Dullahan. I'm not surprised, but yeah. No, I guess you wouldn't. Not be, surprised, but, but this is kind of disappointing. I don't know. Guitar. This would be a yeah. unique guitar in pretty much anyone's collection, I think. Oh yeah, definitely. That's what's cool about yeah. this one. Yeah, look, looks great. Again, links below in the description or in the description if you're listening to the show. Check those photos out. These look really, really great, and. Let's move on to a company or friend of ours, or friend of mine at least. We're talking about KMA Audio Tyler Deluxe. They came out with a pedal. Come on. There you go. There's the correct picture. They came out with Tyler Deluxe, which is basically a frequency splitter. And it it's one of those things that doesn't sound that exciting at first. Like, why would I need a frequency splitter? Until you watch a couple of videos of people who know what they're doing and demonstrating how you can use this thing, and suddenly you go, "Oh boy, I want one! I want one!" Like that was my like even before the deluxe version. I've uh, there's a video on my channel where we go through a bunch of KMA Audio Machine pedals at 42 Gear Street, and Enrico basically just demonstrated, "Hey, this is what you can do. You can like." send the bass frequencies to the fast and then like route it back and add some delay on the top layer on like the higher frequencies and when you blend it all together with a blend knob in the middle like you can create all these crazy crazy amazing tones and i don't know i have a sp soft spot for kma stuff they look great uh i love the graphics and they also like different they definitely stand out and I'm excited about this thing. It looks awesome. It does look amazing. But so tell me, what does a frequency splitter actually do? Why, why would I use one? What would I get out of using it? So, for example, what you could do is, uh, let's say, 
Well, well, let's go with the fuzz thing. For example, like you can send you basically you're sending your guitar signal into that thing, and then you're taking X amount of like high higher frequencies of your guitar sound and send them, let's say, to a chorus pedal. So like your higher frequencies are like chorus modulated, and then you can send the lower frequencies of your guitar sound into maybe even an octave pedal and like add an octave below as well and also add a fuzz to it and then you're bringing both of those affected sounds back and then you can mix them uh, in a way where you would have like this modulated top end clarity going on and then you would have this fuzzy octave affected low end on the guitar and that could be an amazing amazing sound and doing it that way will most likely result in way much more clarity in your tone compared to just like doing all of that as a like a linear signal chain and this is also like a very common mixing technique as well like when you're doing bass guitar you would like usually uh bass guitar players record like in split basically like maybe a di sound and then like heavily affected one or distorted one and when you blend those together you kind of get the benefit of the distorted sound but the clarity of the clean sound as well and this is also what you can do with this and i'm guessing this thing has even more options than what i just described but yeah uh just allows you to create amazing soundscapes and you know access them every now and then if you need to or like put it all on like on at once as well so bunch of cool options because looking at this like there's a there's a high pass loop there's a low pass loop and then there's an activate button in the middle so if i read this correctly you can basically like yeah you can like sometimes activate the low and split sometimes activate the high loop like high frequency split or then you can just kick it all on at once if you want to and yeah gives you a bunch of different options so does like it actually it. make any sounds on its own or is it something where you you literally need to have other pedals connected it's i was just i was just looking at it and wondering if it can kind of act as an eq pedal or something as well on its own uh i'm guessing that i'm seeing a high pass filter on it like high cut and maybe like a low cut yeah there's a low pass and a high pass filter also um i'm not like i would say it's probably not making that much sound of it on its own and I mean, if you just want to cut out high or low, and you you probably should get on like like an EQ pedal instead. But yeah, it's mainly to basically like create these more complex routings on your pedal board to be able to achieve sounds that you wouldn't normally be able to do in like. Well, you could do that on modulars, but if we don't take into account modulars. Yeah, allows you to create really complex soundscapes uh, with just like a press of a button or two. So that's really cool. Yeah, it looks again, really, check, really interesting. Yeah, and again, check out the video on... I'm going to put a link to Stefan's video. So the Pedal Zone, he's always amazing demonstrating those. And also the link to the video we did at 42 Gear Street, where we briefly dive into that pedal as well like the regular Tyler unless I'm forgetting I'm pretty sure we dove into that pedal for a second or two and it blew my mind right away but because there was yeah, also like 10 other awesome pedals <laughs> I forgot 
Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, you're such a massive fan of KMA that this is another one that you should definitely consider getting. Yeah, I'm very, very biased in this one. So <laughs> Yeah, but they're great panels. Yeah. yeah, all the KMA stuff I've tried has been really, really, really good. You know, the build quality yeah. is awesome. They're made here in Germany, of course. And you've got Enrico is the guy behind the brand. Super cool guy. Yeah. Berlin through and through. And yeah, I would like yeah. to try one of these. But I would, if I were to sit down with one of these, I would need to have guidance on how to use it properly and how to get the best results out of it. That's That's the only thing for me here. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I'm going to, just going to link the article in the description because I just checked, and there's the official, like the article. There's the explanation about the thing, but there's also uh, the official video from KMA. Then there's Patrick Hunter's video, so you can hear it on bass, and then there's the Pedal Zone video as well. So you you'll get like the full coverage of what this thing does. So yeah, gnews.com link in the description you can find everything we mentioned about this pedal here so yeah that's really cool maybe one of these days i'll be able to try it out but i think it is time to dive into your questions and comments next and in this episode we wanted to take a bit of more uh, deeper dive into all the comments we've been getting because yeah, last week we didn't uh, do any of that because we had Trey on and like a couple of weeks before we also had a guest. So yeah, let's talk about your questions and comments next. Questions and comments. All right. First question over here, there you go. One of these days I'll learn how to do these overlays on YouTube so we are not covered by them. <laughs> <laughs> but right now we'll have to deal with this one. Uh, yeah, Lenny Johnson 5 says, excellent review on Chris Buck's playing on Cardinal and Cardinal Black's first single. In answer to your wondering what they'll come up with next, it's an actually impressive single called Jump In. And... Yeah, I actually had listened to this single before. And yeah, by the way, this comment was on one of our Cat Pick Fridays episodes where we talked about Chris Buck's new single and his band. But yeah, uh, have you had time to listen to the second single? I think it came out a couple of weeks I ago. Unfortunately, I haven't, no. Yeah. I need to I'm listen to be that. Honest. It wasn't yeah, on my radar. <laughs> yeah, it should. Uh, I have to say that I wasn't as big of a fan of that single, like... The kind of war guitar lead line thing that's repeating over and over again in the song um, kind of got a little bit irritating at the end. Uh, I have a Did you say like it's a war pedal or what? Uh, so he's doing like this between like every section of the song. He's doing like this uh, lead guitar thing with a war pedal, and it's very mm -hmm. like kind of cocked war type of sound. And I don't know. I have a like extra sensitive ears on some of the like higher mid frequencies and it like got annoying at some point like it like hearing that kind of sound for a long time actually creates almost like a physical feeling of like the like nausea or something like that so like, <laughs> listening to three and a half minutes of like wah <laughs> cocked wah sound kind of get got me feeling a little bit sick 
<laughs> yeah, that's I was, what I was thinking. That's pretty much the worst possible review of a single that you could ever have. Chris Buck's a great guitar just... player, but the new single made me feel physically sick. <laughs> Vladimir Helenin, 2021. I didn't say that. I haven't heard the song, but I definitely want to listen to it now after hearing that review. If I don't vomit, yeah, I'll this, consider that a plus. I, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> This is not the way I thought this would go. <laughs> yeah, now that you mentioned that, <laughs> yeah. but like, a- apart from it making you want to throw up, is it in a similar style to the previous one? Are we talking kind of yeah. blues rock, modern style, good like soulful vocals, or yeah, like it has all of those mm. things. Like it's it's lower tempo, kind of this moody jam thing. Like the band is just really good, which you would I guess expect from this level of musician Chris yeah, yeah. Buck and like good song just like I I, I didn't enjoy the repetitive lead line thing. <laughs> That's like my no, only really complaint. No, I, I think we should know. have um the next time we're together in person we should do a video where we play that song on a loop in a live stream <laughs> and the viewers can kind of bet on how long it takes you to be sick. And whoever gets closest in terms of time wins the new Capic Studios T-shirt, where we're both, you know, dinosaur sure. heads or whatever we are. Which oh, I, yeah. I still need to do that T-shirt. <laughs> dinosaur head T-shirt. I completely forgot that. I need to write that down before I forget it. But yeah, that's my review. So sorry for kind of butchering a good question, but or a comment, but that's how it is sometimes. Yeah, no, it's actually, to to make a serious twist on it, that's a legitimate point, right? We all have kind of trigger experiences, triggers to our different senses, like hearing and touch and feel and smell. And if that's something which gets to you, then that's something which gets to you. The the first thing I do after finishing this live stream is listen to that single. I've never had an experience like that when listening to music, but who knows? This could be the time. Yeah, like uh, it's it's uh, like this condition. I don't know. The, like a lot of pe- people are like, I know a lot of people who are sensitive to certain frequencies, and like it's not uncommon that certain frequencies can like cause you physical reactions. And it's not like I was about to throw up, but it like it it creates like an irritated feeling. Like I don't know what frequency that would exactly be, but like. Anyway, let's move on before I say any more negative things about this great song that I just, yeah. Moving on, moving on. Next is, uh, love watching Trey's live roast and reaction videos, even though I don't always agree with what he says. Even though I've never submitted anything for judging, I do try to hear his voice in the back of my head when putting songs together. Also, can't wait for that gong oh so <laughs> next year is just talking about the 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 Trey Xavier interview we had last was it last week I'm losing track of time last week I think yeah last week yes <laughs> and yeah Trey is doing his live roasting thing every Friday for I don't know nine ten hours something completely insane uh, yeah, I I'm kind of tempted to submit something there at some point. Actually, there's a song that's upcoming, and I I think I'm going to submit it there just because I can, and hear his opinions on it. That could be fun. 
I think we should show that comment to Trey, by the way, because... Oh, that's true. I think... I don't know, but if I was Trey, and if I received a comment from a songwriter saying, I've never submitted anything to your show, but whenever I write a song, I've got your voice in the back of my head, and I'm kind of wondering, you know, you're kind of guiding me as to what's good and what's not. That says a lot about how important Trey is as a songwriting impact figure for Mr. Neck Cheese. So that's a very good comment in that sense. Yeah, de definitely. That That's a great point because... Yeah, I guess if you're doing, uh, you know, song critique, that's exactly what you kind of want people to take from it. Like, yeah, exactly. You don't yeah. always have to agree, agree because like a lot of the decisions you do when writing a song are also just opinions. But the fact that you, that like, you create you like you cre create yourself like this kind of system of like, okay, is it is my song doing this or this or like, am I repeating this and this too many times and things that Trey talked about a lot in the previous yeah. episode. Yeah. So it makes a lot of sense. Let me. I'm also like adjusting here so I can actually read the next question properly. There you go. Is it test test call pattern? <laughs> test test call pattern on the Capic Fridays episode we, where we talked about the Moore GTRS. I think I saw the guitars would be anywhere between four hundred and five hundred dollars. And yeah, I think it makes way more sense that those guitars would be that priced that well or like that way because what 200, 300 felt a bit too low, especially if we're talking about like roasted maple. Yeah. And I'm just trying to think of the specifications, but yeah, there was roasted maple in it and some other good specifications alongside all mm. the digital wizardry that's in it so yeah. 400 to 500 would seem to be kind of for me anyway the minimum price that you could charge for something like that yeah there's actually a video on perfected castro's channel where he actually goes through the guitar a bit more uh he's a mover artist so like you can view his video through those lenses though i think he also gets some fair critique to the guitar and the whole system as well uh, it looks fairly interesting, but it's also like, I don't know. Like, it could be a cool guitar for some people. For me, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some things we addressed in uh, our episode about it. Like, it does have, for example, like a swappable battery. So we were talking about like what's going to happen if you're playing live and you forget to charge it. It has a like replaceable batteries. You can have several of those. Yeah. Though... I didn't know whether, but it's like a chargeable battery, which means if it has to be like Moore's own battery, do you need to buy like those from Moore? How long those will be available before we co they come out with GTRS two, and GTRS yeah, one will be unavailable? Thing. Unless Sorry, I'm just kind very of... skeptical. Yeah, you. Yeah, but. You know, we got a bit of criticism for that episode saying we were quite critical, but I thought we <laughs> were very we were very fair and actually quite positive compared to a lot of other people who were talking about it. So, okay, I'm going to have to go and watch Chris Buck's new single and then Perfecto's new video about these guitars because that's two very yeah. exciting topics for me. Maybe I should watch True. the Moore thing first so I'm not kind of wiping sick out of my mouth as I get to the second video. <laughs> 
I'm going to I'm hear going to about stop making like, jokes about sick now. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to hear about this for like up next five months or so, which uh, I think I can deserve it. <laughs> uh, so the next question is from. Uh, this is going to cover all oh. of our faces for a while. Beautiful. Uh, this guy wanted us to answer his question so uh, passionately that he posted. <laughs> well done, Rich. That looks great on YouTube. <laughs> Just think if uh, I could get my eyes. Yeah, he wanted us to answer this question so badly that he posted the same question in several Cat Pick Fridays episodes. And I replied wow. to, hey, we are actually going to address, address this because I think this was a good question. So, uh, first of all, sorry for butchering your name. Most likely Prasanna Sayami, maybe something like that. Mm. Sorry, sorry, maybe it's pronounced completely differently, but we'll go with that. So, yeah, I'm going to read this. Hello, I'm about to begin my electric guitar journey on a limited budget. I don't have an audio interface or studio monitors. I have an Audio Technica ATH M50X headphones, but it gets uncomfortable after putting on for a few hours. Which of these options would you recommend for low volume house, mostly jamming along backing tracks and recording over them? Option A, Boss Katana Mark II, 100 Mark II, foot controller and a looper pedal, and maybe an aux cable. And option two, Line 6 HX Stomp, uh, budget studio monitors. Is extra 200 really worth for my purpose or is the katana good enough? And then he also like broke it down to a bunch of questions. But before we move on to those questions, What's your like initial reaction to it? Which one would you recommend? Have you even tried either of these? Yes, I've tried. Yeah, I don't have much experience with the Helix. I don't have massive amounts of experience with the Katana. But yeah, I need to answer this in context with the other questions. But if someone just came to me and said, should I get the Katana or should I, should I get the Helix Stomp? I would also want to know what else they have in their rig but if um if this viewer is totally coming from fresh my recommendation at first would probably be to try them both definitely and mm. i would imagine myself going with a katana as a first person purchase because it feels like that's a real amp you know yeah the helix stomp is something where if he's looking to move into other things later as well and have more options. He can connect that to any amp he chooses anyway, but it could be a little bit overwhelming at first. I feel like if yeah. you have a Katana, you have, you have a proper physical amp in front of you with a speaker attached. You can, you can just get on with that first and get into the different sounds, the different options and stuff later. That's what I would do. Yeah, I'm slightly leaning towards the Katana, mainly because HX Stomp, even for me, who's been playing guitar for 20 years, it still feels a bit overwhelming. There's just so, so, so many different options for that. Like, it's just the amps and pedals and everything. And, like, Katana has that too. But at its core, like... Uh, with HX Stomp, you immediately need to dive into presets and tweak in the presets and all of that. With Katana, you have the physical controls that already give you so many sounds. And because Mark II also, like, I think it has, what, five? Where's my Katana? It's somewhere over there acting as a speaker for my drums right now. <laughs> uh, it has, like, five or six different amp models and then two versions of each already. So you get, like, ten different sounds 
just from the control panel and that could take you very very far into the future and you can also apply the effects from the control panel and then when you want to you can just grab a usb cable go into your audio interface and you have a full-fledged studio as well um, it's more simple like oh, I'd, I'd say like if you're just beginning your electric guitar journey it's cheaper as he just mentioned here he or she mentioned here and also like yeah it's more approachable i wouldn't recommend hx stomp as a first thing you get when you're beginning your guitar journey though i would also say like maybe sound wise or like amp modeling wise it's a bit better but not like like by a long mile you can learn to tweak both to get great sounds but i think we could actually dive into the questions or like the breakdown as well because the first question was like which one is better for usb recording in terms of latency reamping the quality of cap simulated audio recorded over usb i read that the Cassandra usb output is quiet and can change caps uh, yeah that's the only thing like i'm not 100 percent sure whether you could disable the cabinet modeling on the katana i i would have to like search for that that's like my only like complaint about it but i'm not 100 sure because i haven't like i haven't dived into my katana that deep that i would have figured that out so uh, i'd say latency wise both are fine uh and they're fairly easy to set up as well but if uh, you cannot disable the built-in like three different cap sims you have on the katana if you can disable those even when doing like usb recording that that would kind of give the point to atx stomp a little bit because yeah as you know cap sim or like cabinet is like 50 percent of the sound as speed thorn says yeah absolutely that. This is a very uh, advanced question for a beginner, yeah, definitely. in a way. It's like you, when I first started playing, I mean, you didn't have options like this, but I feel like at the start, that's not something I would be focusing on, you know? I mean, mm. the sounds you get out of the Katana, cab sim or not, are excellent for yeah. for what you get for the money. The yeah, same with absolutely. the HX Stomp. And I mean, you're right in that if you couldn't do it on the Katana, that would be a point for the HX Stomp. But I feel like I would also caution the viewer here and say, at the start, focus on getting sounds which are inspiring to you, but focus on getting good at guitar as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think like whether you can change the cap simulation on the Katana or not, I don't think that will be a deal breaker because also like, in Katana, you can use the very, very powerful graphic EQs and stuff like that if you mm -hmm. want to. And like the good thing also is that like both of these devices have a huge online community that allows you to download presets as well. So yeah. like Katana is approach like more approachable just because of the physical controls, but also like there's gazillion videos online and like people sharing like their ACDC patches and the Metallica sounds and all kinds of things. So, like, I don't think that will be a problem, no matter which one you end up with. And also, shout out for doing the research. Like, this person has really spent time figuring out what they want 
I can I, I really can appreciate that. So that's cool. Uh, second question. I read that there is a delay when changing patches on the HX Storm, but does the Katana also have this issue when switching using foot switches? Uh, I don't think Katana does that the same way because the, like it's more, well, I wouldn't say it's more for life, but on Storm there's definitely a delay because it like it's fairly limited processing power-wise, and then there's... Uh, like they have this snapshots thing where within the same preset you can activate or deactivate some of the things quickly but when you go like from a preset to preset there's a delay and i think that applies to all the helix units so yes yeah. there's a bit of delay and i like a couple of my friends always use their helixes when we play live and they take that into account there's this yeah there's this uh snapshot mode it's kind of is a work around it, but if you want to go from like one sound to a completely different one, then there will be delays. So yeah, that's something to take into account. Uh, I read that the playing back tracks through the katana speakers using aux might not sound great. Can tracks with bass damage speakers? Uh, first of all, no, it won't damage the speakers because it's like it's a hundred watt amp and you won't be playing it that loud at your home studio that it would damage the speakers you don't have to worry about that uh and yeah it doesn't sound like amazing but that that's the, like if you're using headphones to play then the backing tracks will sound just fine but like you know, guitar speaker is filtering out some of the frequencies and that's what you get like you won't be getting like exactly the same sounds as you would like listen just from the computer and using your he headphones on it like that. But if you use headphones while you're jamming, you will get like the backing tracks will sound proper. So, yeah, yeah. So in that like sense, I guess the stomp with studio monitors would be the choice there if backing tracks is important because yeah, studio sure. monitors are going to give you a much more well-rounded sound, a much more neutral EQ response yeah. as well. Yep, definitely. Uh, question number four, which has better build in effects since I'll probably rely on it for getting all the effects I need, including noise gate. Uh, will the effect chain limit me from using boost, flange, or delay at the same time? Uh, it, as I mentioned, HX Stomp is fairly limited processing power-wise, though they've been improving that as well over the time. I haven't run in any, like... Uh, I don't think I've created that crazy signal change in Katana, but you can do pretty much anything you want there. Although, if you love tweaking and creating like all the soundscapes and want to have like massive ambient reverbs and stuff like that, then HX Stomp is definitely better for that. Like the, I'd say the like average effect quality is better on HX Stomp, based on my experience having both. Having had both devices, that's how English works. So, yep. Uh, if you want like better effects quality, then it's HX Stone, but you'll be more than happy with what's on the Katana as well. Question number five. Uh, is Boston Studio better than Line 6 software since I'll probably be using it most of the time and I don't mind doing deep editing to get better tones? Uh, I prefer the Boston Studio just because uh, the software you get, or like the whatever the Line 6 software is called, like, oh, HX Edit, 
it's pretty bad. Like you like user interface design wise, it's pretty awful to be honest. And like something I mentioned in my HX Stomp review, like Line Six doesn't seem to care. Like basic things of user interface design, and I'm someone who has done user interface design in the past as my main job. Uh, they just don't care. Like things like on an amp, you usually want to adjust the gain, EQ, and maybe master volume. And then there's some like extra things like maybe presence and stuff like that. And those are less important. But in the HX edit software, all of those things are labeled equally. It's just like list of things. And then there's like a slider to those. And I know it, it, it takes a lot of time to figure out what's where and what to do. Whereas on the Katana software, like it's laid out a little bit like an amp and then you can see your signal chain all the time as well. And when you pull out a graphic EQ, it's not like slider sideways as on the HX edit. It's like you can see the graphic EQ as you would have like if you had like an EQ pedal. You can actually like see those sliders. And if you want to do like a V curve, for example, you can actually physically see, or like physically in quotes, see that V curve, stuff like that. Using the interface design-wise, Boss Tone Studio is miles ahead. That's the I short agree. answer. Yep. Uh, which one will <laughs> make me want to play guitar more? Um, both. As I mentioned, you can both tweak it, um, either of these to till the world's end or something like that. How that's that saying go, and also both have a gigantic library of tones created by others, others, not the creatures, <laughs> other people. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's that. Uh, I think both both will make like will inspire you because like there's almost like an endless amount of tones you can get with either of those. And you don't have to come up with all of those yourself. You can just download those online. So that's cool. Uh, yeah. Can I get great tones from Katana? Does the Katana sound good at home volumes on 0.5 watts? Which one responds more like a real amp? Uh, you've played the Katana. Does it respond like a real amp? Do you? Are you asking me that? Yeah. Yeah. The, the Katana is a real amp. Um, I, when I first tried it, I was in a music store and I had it down on the half watt setting and it sounds good. It doesn't yeah. sound absolutely amazing, but neither does the stomp. I yeah. think for that kind of playing, if you're looking for one box to turn on in a room and just, just jam, just play a bit, the Katana would win there for me. Yeah. It's more I immediate, to... for sure. Yeah, and like, uh, there's a tiny tiny bit of latency in the hx stomp compared to the katana it's not that it's mm -hmm. not something that you wouldn't get used to but that that that's there and also like the katana reacts like a real amp like there's dynamics and because you can play it with a speaker as well like you get that in-room sound experience or you can go completely like headphones with it as well and i like that a lot and because of because it's uh transistor amp i guess or like i don't know what what power amp thing it has like you don't necessarily need to have it at 0.5 watts you can have a bit more watts and then just turn down the master volume to get a bit more oomph depends on like where you live or like and stuff like that but yeah yeah 
it is better in that sense. I don't know if we like solved your issues, but these are our takes on this, this thing. So, was that the last question, or is there uh, more questions? I think we have more. Uh, no, I mean the last see. from this specific guy. Ah, yeah, <laughs> yes, it that was, was his last, last question. question. <laughs> yes. Okay, so I, I think what he's what his basic question is is that he's done a load of research and he still doesn't yeah. know which one he should buy. And what he wants us to do right now is say to him, "You should buy this one because." So, what would you tell him, Vlad? Let's say you're the dude in the store. He comes in. He's got the money for either. Um, he sorted with his guitar, so let's not think about that. So he's like, okay, I'm either going to go home with the katana and the board and the looper pedal, or I'm going to go home with the HX Stomp to use as my studio monitors. What would you tell him? Mm. I would say for the simplicity and also being able to have this kind of in-room playing experience, I would go for the katana. But if you absolutely, if you like love tweaking the sounds and exploring every single small detail you can tweak in your sounds, like some people find that very inspiring. I totally get that. If you're one of those people, then the HX Stomp might be for you. It has slightly better amp modeling and better effects, but it's also more limited in some ways. But I think you'll be happy with either option. So that's cool. Like you, you can't really go wrong. It's like more just about deciding or like figuring out uh, if you enjoy tweaking, then HX Stomp might be the solution. It also will probably end up being a bit more expensive for you as well because you will have to get studio monitors as well, which might be a good thing in the long run because you'll probably end up using those studio monitors to mix as well and stuff like that. But then again, Katana is more affordable you can actually gig with it as well, like in those situations where you cannot run your guitar sound through a PA and stuff like that. And it does all the things the HX Stomp does and maybe even a bit more for less money. You can't go wrong with either, but yeah. Figure out if like if you like technical de detailed tweaking, then HX Stomp, but otherwise I would go with the Katana. That was my short answer. Yeah, no, that's a decent answer. And I think I agree with most of that. Ultimately, I would also recommend the Katana unless the most important points for him are those specific strengths of the Stomp. But for me, the Katana is a real amp. And yeah, you have the benefit of just being able to plug in and play with that anytime you want. You can use headphones with it too. It also has the computer connectivity. It has an yep. amazing app and interface. All the boss effects are in the free software there as well. The free software is great too. And you say that you're playing mostly at home, but if you ever want to play with other people or go to a music school or do rehearsals or gigs, you can use the Katana for absolutely everything. No problem. Yep. You can use the Stomp for all that stuff as well, but you need to have different solutions to get it plugged in and to hear sounds with the the rest of the band so for me it would be a point for the katana yeah definitely but yeah thank you so much for this question uh rich a quick note for you i'm going to skip one of the questions and move on to question uh eight. there you go i i really love this one highland park guitar lessons uh on legato basics with tom quail video from 42 Gear Street. This video has helped so many of my students. Uh, 
just reading this comment made me happy. Like it was a very like impulse thing we did with Tom Quell when I, I was at Forty Two Guest Street in twenty nineteen. And yeah, which is like, hey, Tom, want to do a video together? Let's do some legato basics because I don't know any legato. Please teach me. And it was like, we just sat him down for 10 minutes and he blew my mind in that that time. <laughs> and like, If it has actually helped a lot of your students, that's freaking amazing. That's like one of the best things my videos can do, I guess, like or one of the coolest things I can achieve with my videos. I just unplugged my headphones while talking well done me and i'm <laughs> back i can hear myself and rich as well well done me uh yeah thank you that's really cool like yeah that's a great I'm comment that's similar to that comment from the songwriting guy about trey you know oh that's it's true. like yeah this extra value that you guys are bringing these people so yeah and i mean if we can help or if you can help more people get inspired to learn guitar and get better at it then that's that's awesome well done. Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to the last question of more specifically comment from Mr. Poonja. Catrax. Uh -oh. Ooh, Dimension C. <laughs> uh oh, yes. Stereo is cool and wide, but wet dry wet is incredible. Wow, that's a hard word to pronounce for me. Baby, not so easy to capture on tape, but ooh, that massive in the room white thickness please don't tease me like I, I, was just, I just mentioned in the how to get a perfect guitar tone for synthwave video i just released a few days ago i mentioned that the dimension c pedal from boss kind of ruined uh, mono guitar for me everybody just everything just sounds so much better in stereo <laughs> and now he wants <laughs> me to make do like wet dry wet rigs already no I, I'll have to get more amps and more speakers and like five, like five point one surround system in the office or something like that. I, I've gone yeah. on a dark path here; like <laughs> it never ends. You've <laughs> opened Pandora's box there. Oh, definitely. Yeah, wet by wet sounds amazing. If you're there in the room, it just sounds so huge. But yeah. you know, it's not that realistic anymore, is it, for people to be using that kind of a rig? Sadly. I mean, you can do that with a lot of the modeling units, but still, it's like, uh, <laughs> I kind of want to try it out. Although, especially like pair it with that frequency splitter we talked about earlier, that could be loads of fun. Oh boy, oh boy. boy. Yeah, sounds like a dark path for me to travel. <laughs> it, just, it just never ends because... Once you go to wet dry wet rigs, I'm sure there's like a next step after that as well, and just yeah. Where does it end? That's the problem with exactly. that. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. But yeah, thank you everyone for submitting your questions and comments. And if you want to be featured in the next episode, leave a cool question or topic idea below. But. Before we wrap up the show, let's dive into the weekend watch and yeah, do that. Click the button. There you go. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Watch it. Video. It's not like we have anything else to do. This week's weekend watch is our own video, <laughs> which is kind of lame, I guess. 
but I think you guys are missing out by not watching the video we did with Trey last week. There's so many good things we covered about songwriting and just music in general in that episode. Go check it out. It's long watch. What we went for two and a half hours, I think, something like that. And it we was went... pretty long. Yeah, about yeah. two and a half. Yeah, but and like, it could have gone on it... much, much oh, yeah. longer. <laughs> true. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but yeah, like we covered so many different aspects of songwriting, and like, yeah, go check it out. You won't regret it. I promise you. Like, if you're in any way interested in songwriting or have written some songs or just want to like maybe get started doing that yeah check it out links below in the description for that as well yeah trey but, absolutely um, knows his stuff maybe we should actually go through that again and make some timestamp chapters it could be the fact that that episode is you know, two and a half hours long that is putting people off watching it because they're mm. like, oh, I don't have that much time. But if maybe if there are some specific sections that we can find that we can pull out for people and give them the time that they need to go to to see that. I have actually done that, that. That could help it. Oh. Yeah, it's there. <laughs> I did like rewatch the whole damn thing. and Wow. I That's dedication. I know. I'm so dedicated. Perfect. Perfect. Indeed. But yeah, thank you. So there's no so excuse much. not to watch it anymore. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no excuse no excuses here. So yeah. Do it. And yeah, thank you, Rich, for joining again. You sound amazing now. Not that you sounded that bad before. <laughs> wow, <laughs> I'm really losing it today. I I'm so ready for my summer break that's coming up in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I think we might have one more normal show next week. I'm not actually sure about that. But then Catwick Fridays is heading for a summer holiday, though it doesn't mean that you will be left out without your weekly dose of Catwick Fridays awesomeness. We just have something different and special in store for those weeks. But yeah, so stay tuned and we'll let you know about next week stuff on social media things and stuff like that i didn't discuss it in this in any way before me bringing this up so we'll see and yeah thank you rich thank you and as has become like this thing has become our signature very lame way to end the podcast by podcast by podcast in my new deep voice. Buy podcasts. <laughs> buy podcasts. Can you buy a podcast? I think you can. You should buy a podcast. You should buy our podcast. Because <laughs> we need the money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Send us an email and put your quote and we'll get back to you. Yeah. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs>